so good morning everybody welcome to this strategy cafe um this morning on how we have evolved during the pandemic so i hope you're all having a great week so far um you've got your coffee with you uh we're just waiting for a few more people to join um but we'll kick off um so i'm rosanna i'm a strategy facilitator at alembic and i'll be leading today's webinar um, for those of you who haven't tuned into our previous strategy cafes, um, this is our monthly webinar, um, which aims to share insight on key leadership themes. So our usual format is an interview with a, uh, some remarkable leader who shares their story and their journey and their learnings along the way. So really its purpose is to share lead, leadership insights from um, some stories. Um, but in this special series, um, Nick and Matt and I have been um, discussing the leadership themes that have come out of the pandemic, how we have shifted as leaders and what that means for the organisations that we're working. So today we're going to be talking about how the pandemic has shifted our sense of who we are, where we belong, our identity, and this both being our personal identity, but also in an organisation that's your brand. So this is actually the third and the penultimate one in the series. So um, the previous ones you can check out on the website. Um, and the next one is coming up in May. Um, we would like this to be as interactive as possible. So we'd welcome any comments as they arrive. You can just share them and any questions you have as well. Um, and we are going to be using the chat area. So previously we've used the questions area, but we're actually going to make this a little bit more open and um, interactive. So we're going to be using the chat area this week. Um, no worries, we'll be checking the questions area if you accidentally put one in there. But just so we can see, start a conversation around some of these themes and see what other people are raising as questions and thoughts. So hopefully it will be interactive. Um, the webinar will um, go up till 9am and then we will just stick around for questions, um, which um, on the theme of identity, quite a complex topic, um, so you might have lots of questions and that's fine, we'll try and answer them. So let's get started. Um, so I suppose identity, we've all been on a journey through the pandemic. And we each all have our own unique story of how the crisis um, has unfolded for us and impacted us and that both been at home and at work um, in the previous strategy cafe we were talking about the what has the loss of place um, the loss of that sense of being together how has that impacted on how we are together how we communicate and what the emergent culture of where we work who we work with what the emergent culture of organizations is so in this strategy cafe, it's quite a nice lead on from culture into a sense of who we are um, and um, how our identity has been impacted. And that might have changed for you, but also those around you. So I suppose, have you yet thought about how the virus has changed the way we look at ourselves? Have you thought about how others' identity may have impacted? So it's changed the, our relationship with ourselves, but also the, our relationship with our world and what we see value in that. So um, this webinar just tackles some of those quite big questions. So the agenda for today, um, well, I'll introduce my colleagues um, in a moment. I'll let them um, say a bit about who they are. 
Um, but we will then talk about um, how we've changed, how that has impacted our belief system. So what's the relationship between our belief system and our identity? And then we'll also talk about um, the impact on organisations and brands, and then we'll have time for um, some summary and uh, questions that you may have. So um, just would like to introduce uh, my colleagues who I have joining me on today's webinar. So uh, Matt, perhaps you'd like to kick off and just introduce yourself. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm one of the strategy facilitators and client managers at Alembic. Uh, my background is in healthcare and at Alembic I help leaders from all different sectors with some of their most challenging issues and that's with coaching, education, uh, facilitation with small teams or large groups, all kinds of different things. And hello everybody, I'm Nick, uh, so I'm founder of um, Alembic um, and um, it's our, our just just into our fifth birthday at the moment. Um, so uh, we started in April 2016. Um, my background is as a um, chartered accountant in um, mid-sized um, professional firm, where I spent most of my career, um, and um, bringing together uh, experience as a child uh, in a Buddhist centre working with my wife who was professionally a physiotherapist with those sort of commercial skills from accounting into, into Olympic. So that's a bit of my background. Thank you both. So identity, what do we mean by identity? So I suppose this question is, do you know who you are and how strong is your sense of yourself? So while we've all had to shift in the past year, we've all experienced that shift in different ways. Um, now, one of the ways we can think about identity is we hold lots of different identities. So you might be a leader in a business, you might be a parent, you might be a golfer, a swimmer. And the reason why we're talking about identity is that having a strong sense of who we are is at the root of um, our decision making, our behaviours at work and so really working on understanding our identity, having greater clarity on who you are is an important leadership quality and trait to bring consistency of decision making and therefore trust. So I want to take you back to February last year um, and perhaps you were caught up in Storm Kiara I'm not sure, maybe it was Storm Deb, Dennis. Um, I can certainly recall landing at Gatwick after a, um, a lovely boozy skiing holiday with friends and landing in one of those storms and it being actually quite frightening. Um, but you know, that was holidays, it was going abroad, it was being with friends. And since then I've actually moved out of London, away from friends, haven't had a holiday, um, we've got a puppy, we've got a house to renovate. I certainly have a different life and I suppose we maybe all feel like we've got a slightly different life but does that mean our identity has changed? So to get a feel for the shift I want you to transport yourself back to February last year. Um, do you remember the storm? Um, what were you doing? Who were you then? What was your identity? 
So just take a moment and just pause. What things are coming to your mind? And I suppose the question then is who are you now and what's different? Because maybe you've had a big shift, maybe you've had a small shift, maybe there's no shift, but actually just recognising you know, what things that you identify with, what makes up your identity is really important. So just wanted to do a poll. Um, so um, I suppose, can we just bring up the poll? Um, so to what extent has your identity changed? So select any of the following. So not at all, it's slightly changed, it's moderately changed, it's considerably changed, or it's changed a great deal. I'll just let a few more of you vote. Okay, I think we can sort of close the poll. Okay, so that's really interesting. So actually most of you feel a slight shift or moderate shift um, or no, no real change at all. Um, so most of you haven't felt a big shift in any way. Our next question, um, can we pull up that one for the poll? So selecting a person that you work with. So thinking about other people that uh, surround you. Do you think their identity has changed? So to what extent has their identity changed? So the same question, but just thinking about others. Bit of a harder question, hard to know. I think we can close there. So interestingly, very, very similar um, response there. Um, so I hope, um, you know, going through this sense of identity will give you a sense of even where you feel like your identity hasn't shifted, actually bring greater clarity to what that identity is for you. And I suppose it's worth just saying the reason why we're talking about this is just so we can better tune into ourselves, how we can understand the impact, um, even if there is sort of no change to your identity, just understanding how that might have impacted others and those that we work with. So one way to think about um, the extent of change on who we are is using this model called logical levels. So this is a visual representation to show that we experience change at different levels. So this can be any change. This can be moving job, moving house, um, a corporate reorganization, having children, trying something new. Um, and so this relates to any change, not just um, a pandemic. Um, but some of the changes that we experience affect our behavior and some affect our capabilities and some affect our sense of who we are, our identity. So there are different levels here. So this is actually developed by a um, man called Robert Diltz in the 70s. And thinking of these different levels as stepping stones to help us make change in our lives so that we can become more aligned with each level in order to achieve that overall purpose in life, get a greater sense of who we are. So what do I mean by that? So when we are going through change, we can use the different levels to examine the impact of change on who we are. What's the impact on the change on us? 
And this can be hugely beneficial to us as leaders to gain insight into how staff might be affected at each level in certain scenarios. So for example, when you're implementing change at work. So this could be at an environmental level. So if we take the pandemic at an environmental level, this is where the majority of us have felt the change. So uh, lockdown rules and different working environments, this has led to a change in our environment, you know, where we work. Our behaviour then might have shifted, so you go up a level or into, into the circle. So our behaviour might have changed, you know, we're not, we're doing things slightly differently, our shopping habits might have changed. Um, we're communicating differently, we're communicating online. Um, we might have had to learn some new skills, so there's an element of learning, you know, how are we changing and having to learn and adapt our approach. Um, and we all have beliefs then about these changes to our lives and how they may affect our identity. And um, we were having a discussion about this model as a team and Nick was asking why identity was at the centre. And, um, you know, it got me thinking, well, identity is at the root of our decision making. So it affects our behaviours, it affects our decisions that we make, it affects what we choose to learn, it affects our belief system. So it's really important that we think about our identity at the centre of this and it has the ability to impact our belief system, what we choose to learn, how we develop ourselves and how we turn up our behaviours at work. So I suppose just throwing it out um, to uh, the team really, Matt, what has your experience been over the past year and how do you might you relate this model to your experience and do you feel like your identity has shifted oh very interesting question yes uh, to start you off with uh, well i think at an environmental level i've experienced incredibly significant changes the last year uh, so that's where i feel it the most um i've moved from working in the city to working from home i've moved from living in london living in rural Scotland and I've had another baby so quite a lot of change really um, with all of that as you might imagine my behaviors have also changed quite a lot and um, particularly the second baby thing as I'm sure I don't need to explain to anyone who has two children um, but also working from home again I know this is something that everyone was probably feeling as well um, I've actually been reflecting on how unusual it is I think I don't currently feel a really significant shift in identity given that there's loads of change in behavior um, and at an environmental level um, I think in part my work still anchors me to London a bit um, which means I still quite strongly identify with the city um, and it's given me sort of steady purpose across this massive environment of change um, now whether that change is something that I'm adjusting to is another question so I suspect the answer so that is probably yes, and, and maybe in the next year, I'll feel more of that shift of identity uh, somewhere down the road. It might be sort of hard to put your finger on. Um, what about you, Nick? Yeah, um, uh, I, I, the way I come at this is just thinking about um, Alembic, um, which uh, you know we'd always seen as a London-based business. So I guess that's an identity statement about the business. It's a London-based business. and. Um, for me, just very rapidly, uh, as we um, hit the pandemic and everyone shifted out of the office completely during the first lockdown, 
um, I felt that identity really shift. Um, I didn't see any need for us to maintain that uh, kind of core sense of being a London-based business. We'd already served, we always served clients all over the place. Um, and, um, you know, uh, rarely in London, quite sometimes in London. But um, I, I guess the impact of finding that everyone could work effectively from anywhere opened my mind up immediately to the opportunity that that presented to us to be in different places, to hire different people from different locations, to work anywhere, which I found quite exciting. And so while uh, I don't think it's shifted completely, I think we'll always have an office in London. It makes sense for it to be a hub. It's a great convenient place for people to come to from the south, uh, certainly. Um, uh, I just don't feel that sense of even calling it a London-based business anymore because I just don't think it is. So that's kind of weird uh, impact. Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting um, that we can all go through a lot of change and then there's a question about whether that does actually affect our identity. And um, Matt sharing his, you know, having gone through lots of change, question whether that's changed his identity. And I think you also made the point there, Matt, that maybe this is just a snapshot in time too close to the event. Maybe you're still going through it. There's still an adjustment period. Maybe there's um maybe there's a bit of a time lag on this to sort of let, you know, the way that your life is now sort of bed in, the way that you work bed in, the way that the organization operates bed in, and there's sort of that transition. And so maybe it's just that lag. And it's be interesting to think about how you know, what the shape of organisations, the shape of the way that we work might mean in the future to relate to previous webinars and actually how that might change our identity in the future. I think it also poses a question around whether we have a choice um, or not. So do we choose our identity? Um, what happens when our environment shifts like it has done? you know, are we obliged to shift or do we have a clear sense of who we are and we're quite grounded in that and we're quite fixed to our sense of identity? So here you can make a choice, you know, here are two paths. Do you feel able to make that choice? Which choice do you make? Do you accept the path that you're on and just cope or do you feel that you can change? So quite a nice metaphor, we're all on a journey and we are all making choices. And that greater clarity of who we are helps you make those choices. But even whilst you're on that journey, sometimes things get uncomfortable, tough. Um, maybe you question those choices. And I think they just give you signs of, you know, the sense of who you are. Um, a reflection on my past year is that I had a lot of clutter in my life um, that was perhaps impacting my sense of self. And actually the past year has just cleared out a lot of stuff and a lot of um a lot of that away and it's left me with a greater sense of self and finding it helpful to take that concept of impermanence and apply that to my sense of identity um i.e this path will serve me for however long it will do so um and actually to try not to identify too strongly with too many things has given me greater clarity on my root identity so I guess the question is, what's your root identity? What do you have clarity on for yourself? And what are the few things? So that's gonna help you make the choice about which path. 
and also when things get tricky. So I suppose just a question, um, what's your take on this idea of choice of identity and maybe to what extent is it fixed? Matt, perhaps you want to take that one. It's a tricky question, that one. Uh, we were talking about it um, when we were talking about the Strategy Cafe, and I did find it really difficult to think about an answer. Um, I think differently from yourself, Rosanna, I tend to strongly identify with things. It's just something which is in my nature, I think. Um, it's one of those things I suspect comes with pros and cons. Quite hard to say whether I think it's helpful or not. Um, I suppose it's quite situational. Um, on the positive side, it can give me an amazing sense of belonging and involvement. Uh, but then on the negative side, I think it probably makes it a bit harder to move away from things. Uh, so for a good example that I, I was thinking of was I used to identify as a runner. Um, but when my, I eventually needed knee surgery and I couldn't run anymore, that was really difficult. So perhaps if I didn't feel it quite so strongly at an identity level and running was more of a behavior, that transition would have been a little bit easier for me. Um, it's a difficult question to, to answer on many levels. Yeah, I think I think I think um, yeah, identity is complex and it is difficult. And I think maybe just posing these questions today just will help people listening think and reflect about some of these um, questions. Also, just feel free just to pop in your thoughts, uh, questions, and comments. Um, maybe you disagree. Maybe you want to challenge it. So that's all fun, and um, we welcome it. So just any thoughts you have. Um, feel free just to put in the chat area we'd love to see what you've got to say i suppose just moving the conversation on then um to um how our identity impacts our belief system so i'm just going to hand over to nick um, who's going to talk about this relationship between beliefs and identity thanks Rosanna. we actually have a question in from george uh, Dyer wilson uh, which i'll just pick up quickly um just as we get into this so suggesting that um, majority of people believe their identity has changed only slightly, but probably a bigger shift in identity of colleagues. Do we think that it's harder to focus this question on ourselves? Maybe it's um, easier to focus it on other people, less challenging to focus it on other people than focusing on ourselves. And if so, what do we think of the implications for leadership? Um, uh, maybe just uh, pick that up briefly. Um, Rosanna, Matt, interested in your comments on that. I guess for me, um, you can see that uh, identity sits in the middle of the logical levels model. Um, I would say if you have a strong sense, identity has a powerful impact on what you believe, and belief can be limiting or opening. Uh, so, you know, think about that pathway, you identify really strongly, so well, the right-hand path is definitely mine, no question, and you're really confident about that. If your identity is not so strong in relation to this, because identity is always in relation to something, uh, you can then not have a strong belief about it and feel unsure, uncertain. Or if you have a very weak identity, like you're not attached at all, a uh, pathway comes up, so oh, changing path, I'm going, I'm going left because I don't identify with this that strongly and here's, here's an opportunity. So I think it's a really powerful um, impact and so I think the leadership thing is for me twofold. One is to understand self, um, who am I and how does that impact my beliefs, what does it limit me, from doing, what does it open me up to? And then how do I tune into that with significant colleagues? 
Um, maybe before I just touch on that a bit more in this slide, have you guys got any response to George's question? Yeah, I, I think my immediate reaction would be that it's very hard to uh, reflect on yourself rather than see it in other people. Um, kind of as my answer to the previous question, my immediate uh, sort of reaction was no, I, my identity has not changed. I, I am me. I don't feel any significantly significant difference in my core identity um, and that could be true and it could be um, just skimming the surface I think what's useful is to, to begin to think about it to have a look at the logical levels to have a look at what's changed in your environment and your behaviors um, and to do a bit it's going to take a bit of work to really consider whether you've had significant shifts in identity I don't think it's something which comes naturally to easily see shifts in identity you can tend to live your life on, a, on that sort of top level. Yeah, and I think we'll probably come on to this when we talk about, you know, the organisational shifts um, uh, later on um, in terms of, you know, how organisations have shifted, maybe pivoted and adapted in terms of what services they offer. And then from the employee's point of view, you know, what does that mean I'm doing a different job? And how do I then relate to that? job and can I do that and do I believe I have the right skill set and you know is that something I want to do and feel connected to in terms of purpose that will reflect on then um, do I identify with this job and has is that a temporary shift or is that a permanent shift so these might be questions that we have for our colleagues and peers around us yeah okay so uh, that's great I'm just going to uh, soften up this idea of identity a little bit so I think we all have stronger or weaker um, you know a uh, way of identifying with others and other things in our lives uh, we have layers upon layers of uh, ways of identifying self to something else uh, like the clothes that you like to wear the job you like to do the people you like to be with the stuff you like to interact with you know, your hobbies, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole series of cascading relationships that we have across the whole spectrum of our lives, which are all formative of identity. Some of them are really strong, some of them are a lot weaker. And when you have this kind of like shift in the environment, obviously it impacts down the model and that can uh, shake shake those up a little bit. And a lot of people will be experiencing that. You know, maybe that uh, earlier poll results have somewhat shifted is, is evidence of that. You know, it's cascaded across everybody to a degree. Um, does that shake up people's attachment to a uh, team, to uh, your organisation, to you know your purpose, etc.? I'm going to leave Matt to chat about that in a little bit, but just referencing it back to change success model, which is a really powerful uh, model for change. There are three uh, core parts to this. Um, I don't know whether you can see my mouth, but top left you've got beliefs, top right you've got readiness, and bottom you've got capability. And capability um, is a really a hygiene factor, you've either got it or you haven't. So the enabling quadrants are really around beliefs and readiness. If you get your beliefs powerful and aligned and you, and you get really ready for it, then you'll always you know, find a way to get the capability that you've got released uh, to, to uh, deal with the project or the change. And you can see that from DILTS, the beliefs uh, element just, you know, firmly comes into the top left-hand quadrant here. So this is about my attitude. I've definitely seen people through the pandemic who didn't have strong attachment to business, like immediately, almost impulsively, decided it was an opportunity to leave. So that's really a good example of how weak identification with something can be shattered quite easily with some sort of existential environmental shift, something to watch out for and be aware of. 
So my attitude is really important here. And I think the other thing that's just really important to note is uh, just what is the belief and the attitude, that sense of strong identification of other significant people around you in your leadership team, you know, and where are they at? I think as a leader, it's worth just tuning in to that, asking questions, discussing it, and seeing where everybody is and being open to uh, this discussion. Um, if you have people in your team who we call them here significant others uh, are you know influential amongst their colleagues, they'll be kind of thought leaders, emotional leaders, you know, and if they identify really strongly, that'll have an impact. And you know, as a leader, you know what's going on in their minds, do you know what they're thinking, do you know what they're saying? And maybe you know uh, part of your job is to understand that and also be an influencer, a significant other to them. Maybe Matt can hand on to you to take this a little further. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, yep. Uh, I think it's a kind of an important first point to make is that organizations and the people who work in them are not completely separate items. So many organizations tend to be made up in a large part um, by the sum of their people. A statement I'm sure you've heard made in different ways before. Um, so this, of course, this is more pronounced in smaller organizations. So where any individual is going to be likely to have more influence over the business as a whole. So if you take an example of a small owner managed business, um, in that case, the behavior or change in behavior of the owner manager is likely to be felt really directly at a business level. And while that, that's quite a simplistic and maybe obvious example, there are more complex and difficult examples to interpret in larger organizations. So um, one of note is the influence of organizational influences. So building on um, Nick's point on the change success model. So people who informally lead and influence staff and organizations. Um, so while these might be the same people who are in managerial or leadership roles, that is by no means always the case. It can actually be quite difficult to spot who these people are particularly if they fall outside of your kind of immediate social sphere. Um, so that might be a good prompt to start to think about the influences in your business. Do you actually know who they are? If you don't, it's probably worth trying to find out. So by talking to your managers or by conducting a staff survey, um, successfully implementing change in a business, as Nick pointed out with the model, can really hinge on the involvement of your organizational influences. So it's something which is really important to think about. So what this might mean for businesses is that um, as their people are experiencing changes in their identity, where this is happening in significant sort of proportionate numbers um, or with highly influential people, there's going to be an impact at an organizational level. So this is something which is important to consider, particularly as we continue our transition back to business as usual or whatever business as usual is going to look like. Uh, next slide, please. So while thinking about staff identity shifts is one angle to consider, there's another one as well. Um, you probably consider the staff identity shift as an internal angle um, and then slightly more externally is thinking about customers and thinking about services. Uh, so there's no doubt that customer behavior has changed for the majority of businesses throughout the pandemic. Uh, for better or worse, uh, slightly or significantly, there has been change. Um, so with the change in customer behavior, how has your service provision shifted? 
or has it shifted at all? Um, that again is a really important question when we consider potentially transitioning back to where we were before. Um, so I, I've taken a restaurant as an example. So a business that has been really heavily impacted by the last 12 months. So if they've remained open at all, it's likely that their service provision has quite significantly shifted to meet new customer requirements. Um, now, for some restaurants, the move back to what they were doing before might be a perfect outcome. But for others, perhaps they've been providing a collection service during lockdown, which is doing really well. Maybe they found a gap in the market for deliveries in their local area. So these businesses might be in a position to consider a hybrid business model or in extreme cases, maybe they're going to move away from what they were doing into a completely new space. Uh, again, those are really clean cut examples um, in business identity where life is rarely so black and white or easy to interpret. Um, however, it does beg the question, have you been doing things a little bit differently during lockdown? Has customer buying behavior changed and have you altered service provision to meet it? Um, have identity lines become blurred or have things completely changed and you're now unknowingly operating as a takeaway? Don't know. Some businesses, it might be a cue to have a look at that. In any case, with any significant period of change, it should have you considering your strategy to deal with the new landscape and kind of forge about what you want. Uh, so start to consider how temporary your current setup really is um, and whether it will suit the vision that you've got for your business future. I would think revisiting your business swap would probably be a good move at this point if you've got one. Um, and consider what's changed for you, consider what's changed for the business and consider what's changed for your customers. Back over to you, Rosanna. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point around actually using this as an opportunity to revisit the, the strategy and the SWOT. I was just going to bring it back to this slide because actually the change actually from an organizational level might just be that we're at a behavioral level need to sort of think about what behaviors we now need what learning we need to um give provide to uh, the organization to be able to respond to that shift some organizations as you're saying have pivoted hugely some people some organizations not so much so that's where you can see actually from an organizational level you can apply this model and just think about where that change has sat if organisationally your brand has sort of uh, remained um, the same and clear, then maybe you're operating on those outer layers. And that's just an important thing just to give focus to how you're managing the change and then going back to your strategy and your swap there. So it's five past nine, so just going to sum up on some of the key things that we've um, discussed today. Um, so I suppose we've all changed because the world has changed, but our experience of this is different for some it has been behavioral and for others it has caused a shift in identity so it's really interesting to have your do the poll today to sort of get that feedback that actually it's only been a slight shift so actually we need to look at more the behaviors and the beliefs um, and the capabilities that we're driving so as we shift as individuals so too does the organization so maybe apply that logical levels model to the organization as well perhaps do the redo your SWOT um and then there's a question around whether this is temporary or permanent shift in business model and just you know using some of the models we've discussed just to um, answer that question you know and there should be thinking about whether there are levers joiners and how can you make that intentional and in line with your purpose as an organization 
So I've loved the chat um, and bringing it all together then. We've discussed in previous webinars and today sort of the big questions around identity, culture and change and how we interact with each other. I think this leads us nicely on to the next um, webinar, which we're going to be looking at driving high-performing teams in the future. Um, so um, we are moving along to this um, coral box here. So this is going to be the next strategy cafe is on productivity, effective supervision and high performing teams. I suppose, how do we really drive productivity in this virtual environment? Yes, we're all starting to go back to the office, but to some extent that's still going to have a big virtual element. So how do we really boost positive behaviour, build capability and uh, get to high performing teams? So that's going to be the next strategy cafe on Thursday, the 6th of May. So just wrapping up there and just inviting um, some questions that you may have. Um, let's just have a look what we've got. I've got one I can read out for you, Rosanna, and uh, throw it to you too. So um, there's um, one in the middle that we didn't pick up from uh, David yet. I don't think an individual's identity changes. It's more about beliefs and behaviours. I think the focus of the discussion should be on the latter. Asking people to question their identity, I feel, is dangerous unless you're qualified to do so. Just curious as to both of you how you kind of pick up on that point about like the emotional resonance of identity. Yeah, I mean, so I think the purpose of sort of going through the models is to show actually that change is operating at different levels. So um, I think where there's a focus and a need to build, you know, what behaviours are we trying to drive, I think is an excellent question. What are the beliefs that we hold as individuals and in as an organisation helps build our cultural map? So I think I think they're, they're vital questions. I suppose posing the question around identity shift is maybe quite uncomfortable um and i but i think it goes back to the point where we all need that sense of who we are um and to assume that we all might have a clear sense of who we are i think is also quite risky um and i think to your point nick it's that you know the leadership actually having that sense of who we are gives us great opportunity to lead and so i think it's a helpful discussion but I do think it doesn't preclude that actually we need to focus on what behaviours we're trying to drive and you know what capabilities do we want to build to support the change. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with that, uh, Rosanna. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting question from David. Um, I would say that rather than trying to tell people they must challenge their identity, presenting them uh, with an explanation of the logical levels is a better, um, a better way forward. So people can look at the levels and consider where things have changed. Um, I think particularly where there has been obvious environmental changes, which are almost always likely to impact your behaviors somewhat. Um, it's a good model to just have you thinking how, how deeply have these environmental changes penetrated this model for me. Uh, may not necessarily be a change in identity, but I think for people, particularly in leadership positions and people who are um, have sort of large staff in their businesses, it's something which is important to consider. Great. I mean, I just uh, maybe add to that by saying I just wouldn't, I wouldn't um, 
um, be overly worried about approaching the issue of identity. I think you've got to approach it sensitively and respectfully. So there's like, like a uh, um, an important leadership component around understanding just how central a sense of self, a sense of identity is to people's self-confidence, uh, sense of agency, sense of empowerment. Um, it's obviously an emotional topic for people. Um, to the extent that they can live out a sense of who they are properly in public, you know, there's more confidence and openness there. But a lot of people struggle with that, you know. So it's really important topic. Um, and if you understand the model, um, yes, from a coaching perspective, you can go to sort of the more uh, phenomenological sides of it. So, you know, behaviours and beliefs and capability is a really obvious place to go and a good place to learn. Um, but understanding how people are building their sense of identity and how you know that is um, complex and helping people discern some of the different elements of it and how they're overlapping is a really important part of leadership work in terms of releasing talent and capability um, and so it's a great place for leaders to go it does need a bit of work and confidence to get into it properly and understand the topic um, but it can mean the difference between you know teams working incredibly well together and teams just not getting on at all so uh, it's a very important leadership topic i think Oh, David's just saying the chat box is not open. Sorry about that, David. I don't know why that is, but uh, do you do you want if you want to come back on any of that? If the chat box isn't working, just come back in on the questions. Um, um, okay, just had a question from Adam around how does that relate to motivation? So, um, really great question around um, motivation and identity. Um, I always like to think of uh, motivation as the energy. So, it's you take your purpose, a sense of who you are, and then actually what's going to get you motivated to live by that and follow that. Um, and so I think motivation is a key key part of the energy for driving the behaviour. So I think it starts with a sense of who you are, Adam. You know, what's your root identity? And then understanding what the um, motivational factors are for you. And they will drive, they will be informed by your belief system um, and they will impact your behaviour. So why you do certain things will be related to your motivation and your motivational sources come from that sense of who you are and that root identity. So I think um, if I were just to go back to, uh, um, sorry, if I just go back to this model, part of motivation is linked to your belief system as well. So it's operating in that that sphere there. So it's just around the outside of identity. Matt or Nick, do you want to pick up on the points? Uh, maybe um, this is the personal story uh, for Adam. So I can remember being appointed as a partner in 2000. Um, and um, I don't know whether I was suffering from, um, you know, what's it called where you don't believe in yourself properly? Um, thingy complex. Imposter syndrome. Thank you, yeah. Well, I don't know whether I was suffering from imposter syndrome or what, but uh, I found it quite hard for the first six months in a senior leadership post to believe that I was that and found it very odd that people around me shifted their identity to me from more friend, colleague to uh, slightly, slightly scary leader and became instantly more inhibited. 
And uh, there was kind of a period of adjustment to um, owning that identity as the leader properly and being comfortable with it. So I don't think that in that first six months, I was really able to give full energy to my leadership um, because I wasn't confident in the identity. And it took me a while just to settle in and say to myself, yeah, OK, look, I have this. I have to own this for the firm. I have to hold this. I have to wear the clothes here. Um, and at that point, I kind of start to step up into, you know, filling it out a little bit and um, and being the leader that was needed. So it took me a while just to settle into it. So um, when I wasn't confident of my identity, my energy was inhibited. As I became more confident in my identity, my energy sort of left me and came out. You know, I was able to give that motivation, that drive. Yeah. I think the other point as well is that, so um, you know taking it in a different direction is that we might be motivated by creativity and problem solving you know maybe maybe our um, our work and our job offers that or maybe it doesn't and I suppose then the question is well do I identify so strongly with this creator in me then maybe I try a hobby outside of work that allows me to exercise that and like you know thinking of that as an energy being able to express that um, and so it, it does relate to the whole sense of you your whole identity sometimes at work you're motivated and not at home and sort of just understanding the playoff and those different motivators so you know there are lots of different sources of your motivation that will all feed into that sense of who you are um, and you don't necessarily get all things from all activities so just thinking about how you're balancing that work life and what's motivating for you yeah that's such a great point and a great way of bringing out the best in the team is to understand what they identify with most and where that energy is and whether that can be brought together in terms of you know relationships and work with each other and so you know really great points um do we have any more questions? I'm just looking through. Just ah, oh, thank you, George. I think George has um, signed up, but thank you for joining, George. And Libby's also had to go, so thank you um, to everybody who's joined. Um, and thank you, Adam. Uh, nice to see you online. Um, and thank you, David, also for your questions. Um, I think uh, with that, if there's no more questions, I just think we'll wrap up there. But um, if you have sort of thoughts throughout the day, then uh, feel free to uh, send us an email. We'd uh, love to continue the conversation offline um, and hope to see you um, on our next Strategy Cafe, which will be on um, Thursday, the 6th of May. So thank you all very much for joining us today. It's lovely to uh, connect. We'll get chat working next time, so sorry about that. Um, and have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Cheers.